people and relationships are so important. And that is what makes communities function at the very root level. And I want to be in those places, engaging with people, knowing my neighbors, knowing how to build things in a way that really serves people and um, makes for healthy communities for them, um, healthy and more than just physically and economically, but also emotionally and relationally, all of those things. It's our Strong Towns membership drive. To become a member of Strong Towns, go to strongtowns.org and sign up today. Sarah Joy Propay. I got your last name right, didn't I? You did. Good job. Perfect. Well, <laughs> welcome. One. Welcome to Strong Towns Podcast. It's so nice to chat with you. Yes, it's good to be here. You're just south of me now in Minneapolis, right? I am, yes. In the warehouse district, actually. Oh, I love the warehouse district. If my, if my understanding is correct, you're actually a Texas transplant. Is that correct? I am. And, you know, I have to rethink that decision every year right about this time. <laughs> that was going to be my question <laughs> for you. You know, I, I have a couple of friends who moved here from Texas, and one of them hated the winter. And just every, you know, October, November said, why did I do this again? And the other one said, you know, you just got to embrace it. You just got to go all out. And he did every winter sport you could. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to really? live it to the extreme. Yeah. So I, you, you yeah. fall somewhere in between there. Kind of in the middle with that one. Yeah. Every October, November, I dread it and wonder why I'm here. And then I try to get out and I try to do some cross country skiing and things like that. And it definitely helps. But I can't say I'm a lover of the winter at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know what I, what keeps me here is the fact, um, there's just such good bikeability here. And I love the parks and, um, trails and lake systems here. So I press on the summer months, make it worth it. Yeah. Very much so. And, and actually, in where you live, uh, you don't have the mosquito problem that we have here. Uh, you know, oh. some, summers here are wonderful, but you know, you get out into the woods and literally for six weeks, it's not, even though it's nice outside, like theoretically I could be yeah. outside and it's nice in the city. Uh, when you get out into the countryside a little bit, all oh, the mosquitoes can just be so, they just torment you so bad. And I, I think when you get out of the forest, you know, cause I'm, Right in the middle of the forest. When you get south, more into the edge of the plains, uh, it's not quite as bad. But I don't know. Maybe you think differently. Noted. So I, w- I should not come visit you in the summer months because I will be eaten alive. Come in August. Uh, we we literally have like a six-week window where it's gorgeous. Uh, the weather's nice. The lakes are beautiful. And the mosquitoes have kind of gone away. So August. You're welcome anytime. All right. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> um, you have a degree in urban planning and work for a company called Schaefer Richardson doing development kind of work. Can you, I, I, I think it would be interesting for people to know just a little bit of your background and the kind of things you do on a day-to-day basis. Sure. Um, you're right. I have a master's degree in urban planning. And, you know, I got that degree not necessarily thinking that I would go into development. But one of the things that I saw very quickly once I was out of graduate school was the fact that, um, you know, working for cities and you kind of work on these comprehensive plans, these high-level plans, but then there seemed to be somewhat of a disconnect of how these things actually work on the ground. And there's that nitty-gritty piece of financing and all of that that goes into development. And so for me, personally, I wanted to take a step back and really go to the ground level for a while and just understand how proformas work and how things get built and what that looks like. So um, I started pursuing 
development jobs, and I was able to land a position here at Schaefer Richardson. I've been with them for um, this May, it'll be two years, and, you know, it's just been a great learning place for me. I serve as a project manager in their development department, so I'm kind of overseeing the um, the architects, general contractors, going through city entitlements processes, all of those things, um, working on grant funds, things like that, and just really making sure that projects get up and off the ground and run smoothly. So uh, coordinating a lot of details every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, you know, didn't realize that when you sign up to go into the nitty gritty of things, you really go into that nitty gritty of things. Right. Um, so my job can vary from day to day. Um, sometimes I'm, you know, meeting with city council members. Other days I'm working with Comcast cable and trying to get wiring run in the building. <laughs> so it's a wide gamut of things, but it, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps life interesting, that's for sure. And um, I think for me, one thing in particular I've really enjoyed is working on historic rehab. Um, we've just completed one of those here. And um, for me, that's one of the joys of bringing new life to an old building and just seeing that uh, take shape has been a lot of fun. So that's a little bit about what I do here on the, the daily grind. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I, I know you spent some time doing neighborhood work too. And a, a lot of your inspiration is in the very kind of nitty gritty detail, you know, in the trenches kind of neighborhood stuff. Can, can you mm -hmm. just talk a little bit about some of that background and experience and maybe some of the lessons you took from it? Yeah. You know, um, that was one thing, too. I worked for the city of Des Moines, Iowa, uh, right out of graduate school, and helped them kind of go through. They have a competitive process for neighborhood revitalization funds. And so helped them go through that RFP process with neighborhoods there. And um, just really got to spend some time seeing how that works with city governments and trying to get neighborhood feedback and really thinking about what are strategic ways to do this, that we are actually getting solid feedback and being able to seek and give the neighborhoods what they're looking for. And so that was a really interesting process there that kind of got me thinking. Um, my graduate thesis also was on um, the redevelopment of the Midtown Global Market here in Minneapolis, actually, the former Sears building. And again, just in my research there, I did a lot of work um, meeting with city council members, meeting with neighborhood groups, and just really understanding what does it look like for a neighborhood to really speak into development and how do we do it in a way, again, that really captures what they're looking for um, and does it in a viable way as well. And so I think, you know, just learning a lot of uh, learning a lot about listening, doing really good listening to um, the neighborhood members. And um, I mean, who knows their community better than the people who are actually living in it? Absolutely. And so I really kind of value that in a lot of my work here. And I think that, you know, just finding, again, creative ways to integrate that into development is really important. I also serve on the uh, St. Paul. It's um, They have a district council system. So I serve on the neighborhood district council actually for, for my church um, as a representative of my church and the neighborhood that we meet in. And so that's been another place to really plug into the neighborhood and um, be a part of their process as we see developments come through um, across their table for that neighborhood. And again, I feel very um, just privileged to have have a degree in this and to be able to look at these developments and to speak critically to them and to know, you know, what makes for good development versus poor development. So, um, yeah, yeah, those are some ways that I've gotten to engage the neighborhood in my work. Let me ask you a little bit about that volunteer work, because I, I do, mm -hmm. you know, besides the volunteering with the church, which is amazing, I, I know you have a lot of other things 
that you're active in the APA, ULI. I, I've seen this long <laughs> list of stuff. And of course, you know, you, I want to talk a little bit about the work you've done helping us out with Strong Towns too. But I guess I want to ask you a little bit about why volunteering is so important to you and why uh, you do choose to be so involved in, in so many things. Right. You know, it just really comes down to uh, people and relationships are so important. And that is what makes communities function, I believe, at the very root level. And so I want to be in those places, um, engaging with people, knowing my neighbors, knowing how to build things in a way that really serves people and um, makes for healthy communities for them, um, healthy and, you know, more than just physically and economically, but also emotionally and relationally, all of those things. And I think all that is so interconnected. Um, so it's really important for me to be advocating for just that piece of human dignity, I think, um, that, you know, it's so easy to get high level and to kind of remove ourselves from that um, human scale piece. And I, I don't want to do that. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting. My background is um, in literature. And I think initially, you know, I wanted to pursue that, but the more I fell in love with the city, the more I thought, you know, but there's so much overlap here because the city is the setting for these stories that take place. And so I really care about that story aspect. And um, so I think that that's why it, it's so important to me because the way things are built is really impacting the way people's stories are, are lived out on a daily basis with one another. You gave a really powerful presentation at the National Gathering about churches as untapped resources. Can you just, you know, I'm going to share that video with people. Uh, It's on our YouTube site. It's a great presentation. But what what is it about churches that mean so much to you and and really intersect with the message at Strong Towns? Yeah. You know, um, I grew up in the church. I have been a churchgoer since birth, I would say. Um, Thankfully, I have parents, though, who allowed me to make it my choice later on in life, and I have chosen to continue to be an active participant in church and it's just been so interesting to me because I think over the course of my graduate work and now working in the field, so often I keep thinking, where is the church in this conversation? Why are churches not at the city planning and development table? Because they are these cultural institutions. And if anybody, more so, they are to carry this message of loving your neighbor and um, working towards human flourishing in our cities. And so just over and over thinking, why is the church not here? And I would love to see churches that were engaged in this. And so that's, you know, where I've kind of gone with this side project of mine. Is there a way, is there a role for me to play to really help educate churches um, in this arena? Because, you know, and I think I mentioned this in that presentation that you referred to, um, Cardiff, I think Tank in Canada actually found that in Calgary's long-range plan, there was no space for faith-based institutions. And so they really decided to do something about that, and they brought together city development officials and, and faith-based institutions to the same table, and they said, you know, hey, why, why are they not highlighted in the plan? Is there a way for us to remedy that, you know? And really what came out of these conversations is that, you know, these faith-based institutions were willing and wanted to be a part, but they really didn't know how um, to engage in these places. They really weren't educated as to what role they could play and who they should contact and things like that. And so, you know, taking from that, I've just really seen like there's really opportunity here for churches to play a role, um, but they need to be educated on, you know, 
what is good development, what is not good development, what, how do we think critically about public space, you know, in the neighborhood that we're located or, um, you know, what are things that we can do even with our own space? You know, a lot of churches have some front lawns that they could do things with, but they just don't even know where to begin. Um, so, you know, I've started this proximity project is what I call it. And, um, my own little initiative here in the Twin Cities, and I would love to see it grow even past that. Um, but just a way to start having some of these conversations with with pastors and congregation members about, you know, this is the built environment, and this is why it matters. And, you know, can we draw some connections here, and what role can the church play in really advocating for that human dignity aspect, you know, in the neighborhood? And so... One thing that um, I really appreciated about Strong Towns in this piece is, you know, you have a lot of that information on kind of the economics of it. And I think that's really eye-opening for people. In fact, um, Jim, your executive director, spoke at the conference we held last May here with um, some pastors and planners to begin this conversation. And um, he he gave that mansion proposition example, and I think that was just mind-blowing for people. Um, and it was so funny. I had a friend come to me afterwards and said, I had no idea that a street like cost that much. And she's like, and I ran home and started telling like all my, my friends in Paris <laughs> who live in suburbia, yeah. did you know how much a street light costs? Like we should be more aware of this. <laughs> um, you oh, know, yeah. and I think that again, those are huge pieces that people don't realize we take for granted the infrastructure that we live in because nobody's telling us how much this costs, you know, and we think, Oh, new development, obviously that's a good thing. That means growth and things are doing better. And um, that's not always the case. So I think that, you know, your message, especially that economic piece, is really important um, for people to get that big picture. And again, like I said, it's so holistic. I mean, you can't remove people from the physical context, and you can't really dissect these emotional and spiritual and sociological needs from physical and all of that. And so I think um, you provide a piece of that picture that I can then give to people that's with more comprehensive understanding of how these things are all interconnected. Um, so I really do appreciate that work that Strongham does. Um, you help educate me so that I can educate others. Perfect. Yeah, that's one. I, I was chatting with Grayson Johnson this afternoon, and she mm-hmm. wanted me to make sure and tell you, hi, first of all, uh, <laughs> she, she really appreciates you and is a big fan of the stuff you're doing. But she also said... Uh, to try to get some pickles out of you because you, I, oh. I guess, do some amazing pickling. Uh, is that one of your kind of side hobbies? <laughs> yes. I love to garden and cook as well. Uh, and, yeah, I had a plethora of cucumbers this summer, so I kind of went to town with pickling, and I believe that Jim and Faith benefited from some of my pickles, and I think that's where Grayson got her taste. So, <laughs> well, I, um, I've been told they're amazing. Um, Sarah Joy, thank you so much for being a member. Uh, I really appreciate it. I admire your work. It's an inspiration. And thanks for all that you're doing to help build not only this organization and this movement, but make your place a lot better place. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. We need your support here at Strong Towns. Become a member today by going to strongtowns.org.